Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zikazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Videos moderated by real people who review content before it's posted to the feed. I love the dance challenges. I love that it's Kids Safe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids. <laughs> Download the Zigazoo app today. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. It's a numbers game with your host, Gil Alexander. Top of the show, as smooth as ever here on a numbers game at Visa, the Sports Betting Network, Visa.com, the Visa app, Fubo, Sling, Game Plus, iHeartRadio. Good morning to you. Good Monday morning to you. It is Gil Alexander. Good show today. Uh, Paul Spore later uh, on the show to talk baseball, DFS, if you have any DFS uh, intentions today. Jason Weingarten, yet another look into the NL MVP race and see how everybody involved did in the month of August. Let me just say that. That's all in hour number two. That is, this is the thing we've, we haven't talked about with baseball yet this year, as you know, the chasm between the haves and the have-nots, all the MLB brain-dead parlays. What we haven't talked about is how poor, muted, historically, the stats are going to be of some of these eventual award winners. Like AL Cy Young and NL MVP in the end are going to be like, oh, that dude won MVP? It's like Ron Flatter was telling me in 1968, someone won the batting title at 301 or something. That's kind of what we're, not quite that extreme, but that's sort of what we're looking at. Jason Weingarten, uh, we'll talk about that next hour. Todd Wishnev will join us. Oh, that must mean that must mean some Scott Frost talk later this hour. Todd in midseason form, complaining about college football. We will uh, get to that. Just uh, Brett Bielema and, and, and Scott Frost. What a display in that Illinois-Nebraska game on Saturday. Uh, all of this through a betting perspective. And Momentarily, Wes Reynolds, because we want to talk to, to Wes about, again, what was the finest thing this weekend in sports, and in sports betting, really, which was the BMW Championship, the second leg of the FedEx Cup in Owings Mills, Maryland. Who knew that the, uh, that the universe of golf would center around Owings Mills, Maryland as what can only be described as one of the epic mano a manos that we've ever seen, ever, we've ever seen in, in, on the golf tour, on the PGA Tour. Between Patrick Cantlay and Bryson DeChambeau, with Cantlay ultimately prevailing in six, count them, six uh, playoff holes. Just just incredible yesterday uh, what went down there in Owings Mills. Uh, and we'll go through it uh, blow by blow, blow here momentarily. We also have to talk, uh, I know, and I'm bearing the headline. So it is the first day of the United States Open on, on the men's and the ladies' side. This is Super Bowl Sunday for tennis bettors because uh, 32 matches on the men's side, 32 matches on the ladies' side. I have plays. We're on a 14-3-1 uh, roll, I think it is. Could be a little worse depending on the book you bet it. Either way, it's double-digit units of a haul that we've gone through here the last couple weeks. Um, so I have five plays coming up in tennis, the earliest of which are in start in less than an hour. 
So uh, in about a half hour, we will uh, give you those picks. I have five of them, and they include two rather large dogs. Two rather large dogs, one of which... Uh, one of which I kind of get, the other of which is just you, you, you owe it to yourself to make a play on because the mispricing, and again, you never know if anything's going to get home, but I, and I understand why someone might have put out this line, but it is so mispriced based on the numbers, based on past performance, that it really is peculiar. One of these rare opportunities, and that's why I always say, hey, well, you're focused on preseason football and on basketball and baseball, basketball when it's in season and hockey, whatever. Tennis and golf still doing their thing, and I think the opportunities in tennis today are aplenty. So we'll get into that. Uh, and then we have to talk about this Gardner Minshew trade, which went down you know, uh, over the weekend, I wasn't here. By the way, I just want to make a note. Uh, I missed Friday two weeks ago, and I missed Thursday and Friday last week. And people were like, hey, what happened uh, What happened to Gil? You just leave, out, leave town without saying anything? I uh, had two different old friends at D.C. who each had a parent pass away. So I had to make the trip back. Uh, so that's why I don't usually just go without announcing anything. So apologies for that. For those who are like, where are the tennis picks? Um so that's what happened. So thank you to JVT last week for filling in. Thank you to Parlay the week before for filling in on a drop of a dime. Uh, but we have to talk about this Gardner Minshew trade because, you know, we talk about some trades in some sports where we're like, oh, win-win situation. What a great deal for both teams. I think this is it makes sense on both sides. I think it'll work out. Uh, I don't think I get it on either side, quite frankly. Not from a Jacksonville perspective and certainly, like, not like, – there are three sides, right? There's the Gardner Minshew. He ends up in a terrible situation. Also, we'll get into it because I'm not sure what Philly's doing either. Uh, I'm not sure what Jacksonville's doing. We'll get into it momentarily. And I'm not sure what other teams are thinking when something like this goes down. For a for the for the cheap price of a sixth round draft pick, Gardner Minshew goes to the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, so we'll get into that as well. First, though, uh, let us bring him in. Uh, he is the co-host of Long Shots here on the network, the Swiss Army Knife of VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. And let me remind you that it is the Vegas Stats and Information Network, VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Uh, VEASAN.com, the VEASAN app, Fubo, Sling Game Plus, and iHeartRadio. Uh, Jason, you said you said we're ready to go to him, or no, we're not ready to go to him, West yet. Muffled connection? Okay. Uh, we'll work on that momentarily. Uh, but let's just go through what happened yesterday as we wait for, for West here, and I'll, I'll try to get all the details. But for those who missed it, and we'll get to the, to the betting aspect of this. So uh, it is the second leg of the FedEx Cup in Owings Mills at the BMW Championship yesterday, and it ends up being essentially yesterday a head-to-head between Patrick Cantlay and Bryson DeChambeau. And on the 14th hole, uh, Bryson DeChambeau, while, uh, while uh, sizing up an approach shot, catches in the corner of his eye his playing partner, Patrick Cantlay, moving. Uh, it says, Patrick, uh, can you stop walking? To which I would have replied, "Can you stop being a jack? Uh, you know, you know, you know, whatever." Uh, but to Patrick, uh, Patrick Cantlay, uh, I don't believe said anything. But Bryson DeChambeau, annoyed by seemingly everything on a golf course, can you stop walking? Uh, cut to later that hole, and and uh, Cantlay sinks a beautiful putt, a beautiful birdie putt, and it was sort of it was on at that point between these two guys. Sixteenth hole, seventeenth hole, eighteenth hole, drama. Cantlay at sixteen saves par unbelievably at 17 he saves bogey after going into the water and then at 18 calmly sinks a 21 footer to force a playoff and so it was already at that point drama filled and then we go to the playoff hole it starts out at 18th hole second would be 18th hole then at 17 18 17 18 it rotates after that but the first two are going to be at 18 that would be a par 4 18 first playoff hole um can't lay with a sick up and down from the rough. And it's hard to explain to anybody who has never played the sport of golf just what a sick up and down it was from that rough where he lips the cup and is able to force a second playoff hole. Playoff hole number two, they go back to 18. DeChambeau misses a, uh, a six-footer that would have extended it further. Uh, DeChambeau now at this point throwing tantrums, sort of huffing and puffing, walking quickly to the next playoff hole like, I can't believe I'm still here. Uh, playoff hole number three, and by the way, DeChambeau's whistling, to, you know, whistling out loud after he hits great drives. Um, just so annoying. Playoff hole number three, which again now goes to 17. DeChambeau has another birdie putt to win it. That lips out. Playoff hole four, DeChambeau's driver finally lets him down. He puts it in the water. 
Then he goes up and down with a sick approach shot, phenomenal approach shot, which sends it to playoff hole number five. It was just the greatest thing uh, on television yesterday. DeChambeau within feet of the hole. Cantlay then uh, sticks it within two and a half feet. This is on the par three uh, 17. Just when you thought DeChambeau's uh, tee shot couldn't have been bested, it was. And they both go to, they both then uh, sink their putts and they go to the final playoff hole number six where Cantlay birdies it from uh, 17 feet, and DeChambeau misses from about 8 feet, 9 inches. Cantlay on the weekend gained 14 strokes on the green. His putting was just out of this world. We bring in Wes Reynolds from Long Shots, which he hosts, co-hosts with Brady Cannon and, of course, Matt Humans as well, at Wes Reynolds 1, the number one on Twitter. Good morning to you, Wes. What a show that was yesterday. Yeah, well, it was certainly a show. Uh, it was fortunate for me because I didn't really know who to root for because I didn't really have to pick one because we got both guys in the playoff yesterday. So that was good. I wish it could be like that every week. Why is it not like that every week, Gil? That's how it should be drawn up. But it just certainly didn't happen. But nevertheless, you're absolutely right. I was listening to the lead in there. And Patrick Hanley, that is the most strokes game putting in the shot link era basically, that we have ever seen on the BGA Tour. So uh, a great event. The BMW Championship delivered again last year. It was John Rahm and Dustin Johnson grinding out for four under par at Olympia Fields uh, just outside of Chicago. And this year, these guys, we thought were going to reach 30 under at some point. Yeah, Caves Valley Golf Club ends up producing the finest uh, the finest show of the year by, by many people's opinion. Uh, so... I was able to get Bryson DeChambeau before the before the final round at plus 116, I believe it was. Didn't get home. By the way, I texted in the middle. I was like, I've never wanted a bet of mine to lose so badly based on how annoying he could be. Um, obviously, not saying that tongue-in-cheek. Clearly, I wanted it to win. But again, we, we should stress that some of the best golf bets, not everybody's uh, you know, a, a guy like you, Wes, who can make bets uh, outright before a tournament starts and be as successful. Some of the best bets are the ma- are the bets made right before the final round. Some of them during the final round. I just don't think we can stress that enough in golf. No, absolutely. I mean, you're not going to always get free flop winners. And sometimes you're going to, your read on a tournament beforehand is going to be nowhere. And you've got to adjust based on what you see in terms of the numbers and, you know, having that in-play bet on Bryson was not necessarily a best bet when you look at the statistics that he had. I mean, he really putted well despite his playoff woes yesterday against Cantlay. He was the second-best putter in the field of the week, and he actually shoots 27 under. This is what is such a marvel sometimes when you watch that game. He actually had negative strokes gained approach, and I know every week on long shots, and every week with you guys on primetime action, you and Matt Brown and Kelly Bidlin, you always have strokes gained approach in the model. Yeah, I certainly do. And this week, Bryson DeChambeau had negative strokes gained approach, and then somebody pointed out to me on Twitter, well, because a lot of his drives are so close that they don't necessarily count as approach shots, which is a true statement and a true point. But then you look at strokes gained around the green, he was negative on those, too, because he'll hit these 330 and 340-yard drives on a 370 or a 380 par four, and he's like 30 yards away, and he has those kind of like awkward yardage pitches into the green for his second shot on a par four, and that doesn't count as an approach. That counts as strokes gained around the green, and he even lost there, too, but you look at what he did off the tee. Just a little bit under eight strokes gained over four rounds, that was double everybody in the field except for Rory McIlroy. Rory McIlroy was the only player in that 70-player field that did not get doubled off the tee by DeChambeau. All right, so Wes, projecting forward to this week, it's the third leg of the FedEx Cup. We're in Atlanta. 30 guys have, 30 golfers have advanced, which is uh, the format year after year. And so here we are, and Patrick Cantlay with that win, by the way, both Cantlay and uh, DeChambeau finished 27 under before the six-hole playoff. Cantlay ends up with the win, so he ends up with a staggered first-place start at 10 under. He'll be two strokes ahead of Tony Finau. Bryson DeChambeau, three strokes back of Cantlay. Um... It would have been reversed. DeChambeau would have been number one had he won yesterday. Finau was locked into number two. Cantlay would have been number three. So it's this staggered start 
And I guess the first question, we don't have widespread lines on this yet, but and a $15 million prize, that's why these golfers love this so much. But the first question is, because we talk about this in other sports, like if a football team or a basketball team, oh, what a tough loss, man. I don't know how they're going to mentally bounce back from that. And we take that in those, you know, major American sports sort of as a, you know, a tried and true sort of thing. Whether it's true or not, we we take it as a as a common thing to say about teams coming off tough losses. We rarely talk about it in an individual sport like golf. But the question would be, is that such a painful loss for Bryson DeChambeau? In other words, he could not shake Patrick Antley, no matter what he did on that golf course. He had that tournament won multiple times. Couldn't shake him. Is there lingering effect, do you think, on someone like Bryson? Or is he so locked into his own world of whatever that you can't even factor it in projecting forward to Atlanta this week. Yeah, that's going to be the $15 million question, as you put it, Gil, because I, I, you could tell it was wearing on him yesterday with, with the emotions that it's like, you know, this guy just won't go away. And everything was kind of going along swimmingly. And then, of course, you mentioned where Bryson has taken that approach shot on 14 and Patrick Cantley might have just not been aware and, you know, pointed out to him that, you know, hey, stop walking so I can hit the shot. And then Patrick Cantlay kept walking, kept walking in these putts, thank you very much, but of course made that long birdie on 14. So there could be a carryover because I do think that some of the, the behavior of the crowd is starting to get to this guy. And, and, and we've talked about it a couple weeks mm-hmm. ago. And, you know, I think it's kind of like enough is enough. Okay, I know Bryson doesn't do himself any favors, but it's almost like, all right, you know, you can't have these guys just behaving like that. And it's going to take a player probably in the middle of the round to say, hey, to the gallery, you know, shut the hell up. It's going to take somebody that has stature with the game in the game that's going to have to make them cease that behavior and maybe it'll go away. But I think this could be a carryover for Bryson. He is not a guy I would be looking to play necessarily this week. This is only a 30-player field, as you mentioned. So one thing to keep in mind, too, when these prices come out, some books are going to have just one market available and some books are going to have two markets. And what I mean about the two separate markets are to win the Tour Championship, as we saw last year where Dustin Johnson did not have the low 72-hole score, but because – He was 10 under with that staggered scoring. He won the tour championship officially, even though he was not the best player necessarily through those 72 holes. Then there's also a 72 hole market where you get the lower score, which in that case was Xander Shopley. I believe he won by three shots in that market last year. So what I would advise the listeners and the viewers is read the fine print, know what you're betting because some books will just put, a tour championship market up. And then some books will put a 72 hole market like a draft games or somebody like that. So just keep in mind what you're betting. So when you see Patrick Cantlay and when this gets put out this morning and I have yet to look and see the prices and he's like, you know, three to one or something like that, that is to win the tour championship, not to be the low 72 hole score. Right. So let's, well, let's just, let me distinction, make the distinction even more clear. I think there's the, there's the tournament itself, which is called the tour championship. And then it will be to win the FedEx cup, right? Won't that be, yes. that yes. will be the distinction uh, just to be clear yeah, about people, it. Some people will word it differently. Absolutely. Yes. I'm glad you pointed that out because you know, like Dustin Johnson, it'll say, if you look on his record, he won the tour championship because he essentially, they want it to be done where you win the Tour Championship and you can win the FedEx Cup. So he actually won the Tour Championship last year and then hence the FedEx Cup, despite the fact he was not the low scorer for 72 holes at East Lake. Okay, now we've confused everybody. The point is that we, <laughs> but, uh, but the point okay, that you, I'm you're, sorry. no, 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 your overall point is the best though, which is just make sure you're reading the fine print. So let me ask specifically about if there's a FedEx Cup market that appears at a shop. Uh, and that's the staggered start. So, again, we're not talking about the 72-hole the tournament as we've come to know and get used to every week on tour. We're talking about a staggered start where Cantlay's up two strokes, as I mentioned, on Finau, three on DeChambeau, and, by the way, four on John Rahm. To start, What is without seeing a number, is there a golfer up there 
obviously can't lay in the, in the catbird seat, but is there a golfer that's lurking below him, and maybe it's further past John Rahm, that you would have your eye on specifically to make a move here to try to win the FedEx? Yeah, you mentioned one that would be John Rahm, who probably should have won the Northern Trust two weeks ago, but did not get it done. Bogey two of the last four holes. And then I thought played very solid this week. Look, he got out to the the early lead and then kind of uh, hung in place. And then DeChambeau and Cantlay were basically off to the races. So those are guys I would look at. Uh, Dustin Johnson, I thought, played very well, as did Rory McIlroy. So this is one of the weeks where you're going to get these guys you know, mid-20s, 25 to 1 or 28 to 1. I'm just looking on my ads checker right now. And those might be the guys that you think can chase from the back. We've seen Rory win at East Lake here before. So it would not surprise, and I thought he played very solid over the weekend in the BMW Championship. And maybe maybe something's kind of finally coming along and finally clicking for Rory about a month ahead of the Ryder Cup at Whistling Straits. So those would be the guys. You can't go too far down the board here. You really I can't. Don't you really can't. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you can't just say, hey, Eric Von Royen is playing great, and he is. He's probably <laughs> been playing the best of, of anybody or at least close to anybody over the last month. And then you see, oh, my God, he's like 200 or 250 to 1. Yeah. Well, keep in mind, EVR was one of the last guys to get into the top 30, so he's starting at even par. I don't care how good you are. Ten shots is a lot to make up. That's absolutely right. You really can't go too far down for the FedEx Cup. I leave this open-ended with two minutes left here, Wes. Uh, anything, let's, we can start with week zero college football. Anything in week zero that uh, was, a, was a big reminder for you of college football betting where you're like, oh, yeah, I have to keep that in mind? Or anything in, in preseason closing thoughts, NFL? Yeah, I'll start with the college football. Uh, Nebraska, Illinois, it's not getting any better right now for Scott Frost. Adrian Martinez also has been there six years, seemingly, and still turns the ball over, still misses open receivers. I mean, I think he's been there since Irving Fryer and Mike Rozier were in Lincoln, but, you know, still overthrows guys. And it's like, to be an NFL quarterback, those are the throws you have to make, and he still misses those guys. So, you know, Nebraska and Illinois, it got a little dicey at the end for those of us that played the under, but fortunately – it hung under. So that was the one observation I kind of took, at least from that first game. Yeah, I, I've made the Adrian Martinez joke, too. I, Adrian Martinez, in his 10th year in Nebraska, that was the biggest thing for me right off the top, too. I was like, you can't make that throw after all these years, right? Like, dangers, even the ones that, that weren't, didn't end in disaster. Oh, there's the sideline pattern, you know, deep in your own territory that was well covered. Uh, you know, stop it. Little out pattern. Stop with that. Um, yeah, we're going to have Todd Wishnev on later where we're just going to bust on the, both coaches, I think, is what that's going to generate into. But that was just brutal. Uh, are you with me? Are you as are you as confused by the Gardner Minshew trade as I am, which I'll get into in a bit? I am, and I'm confused by the fact that if you're going to trade the guy from Jacksonville, why did you not give Trevor Lawrence all the reps in the preseason? Why did you give this charade that this is an open competition when obviously you're going to start the number one pick in the draft? Yeah, very strange. There's so many reasons, and again, we'll get to other teams. Why were they sitting on their hands if he was that easily available? Wes Reynolds, everybody, from Long Shots, and of course, uh, all different shows, including my guys on the desert here on Avisan, the Swiss Army knife of Avisan. Thank you, Wes, as always, man. You bet, Gail. Thank you. Wes Reynolds, at Wes Reynolds 1. That's the number one. You can follow him on Twitter there. Not only uh, sports betting notes, but also musical ones as well, which I enjoy. Uh, we'll come back. Strength of schedule, remaining strength of schedule in baseball. Uh, hopefully we've steered you to make bets and not make bets in the past month. We'll look at it again next. The numbers game at Visa, the sports betting network. Football season here on the college side. Well, 
pro football still more than a week away. It's a little weird that we have the off week. Uh, it's going to be funny that football's not, uh, NFL is not being played this weekend. Uh, it's time to get into BetMGM Sports Nevada, though, whether it's college or pro football, the premier sports betting app. BetMGM has all your favorite wagering options, along with in-game betting, boosted odds specials, and much more. Just download the BetMGM app today and stop by any MGM casino on the Strip with your state-issued ID to open an account and start placing sports bets from anywhere in Nevada, whatever your sport, whatever your betting style. You're going to love BetMGM state-of-the-art technology and fan-friendly specials every day of the week. Visit BetMGM for terms and conditions. Must be 21 or older and physically located in Nevada, please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call one eight hundred five two two forty seven hundred. It is Gil Alexander. Uh, good Monday morning to you once again. We've done this every Monday. We leave it for just Mondays, just because it's something to look at coming back from a weekend of baseball. But hopefully, and this has been a boon segment in terms of steering you off bets for those who are like, oh, I still want to bet Oakland or I still want to bet San Diego, and we would just sit here and say, you can't. You can't do it. So hopefully you have paid heed to that, um, and it has steered you to some of the right bets. Because, again, if we look at remaining strength of schedule, and this matters so much, now everything that we sort of predicted would happen based on remaining strength of schedule did. And it's interesting, you didn't have to look beyond remaining strength of schedule. Obviously, there's other factors than just uh, SOS, but it's so it was such a stark difference this year that you just couldn't make any bets on either Oakland or the San Diego Padres. Here's the American League. These are remaining games on the right there in parentheses. Games left of and and the opposing winning percentage, so collective winning percentage of all the remaining opponents for teams that are in the thick of either a division or wild card race in the American League. So you won't see the White Sox. We've removed Houston from this at this point. So obviously it's the American League East and then the wild card race in the American League. Uh, This is Oakland no longer has the toughest schedule of the bunch. But um, in terms of the wild card, look, they're chasing Boston and the Yankees. The Yankees have the easiest remaining schedule of the bunch. Oakland's essentially going to have to catch Boston. And Oakland right now, their remaining 31 games, their remaining 31 games, there is a bevy, a bevy of tough ball games, um, and just to go through, uh, just to go through a few of them. Oakland's got 19. Actually, Oakland's is a schizophrenic schedule, to be honest with you. So of the 31 games, 19 are against playoff contending teams. 12 are against bottom feeders. So there's 12 games Oakland has against, and three, three each against Texas, the Royals, the Tigers. Well, we'll throw the Angels in there, so not exactly bottom feeder with the Angels. But you have 12 games of your remaining 31. you got to make hay on that if you're the A's. You have got to make hay on that. And right now, Oakland stands two and a half games behind the Red Sox for the number two wildcard position. By the way, they're five and a half out of the AL West, but let's not worry about that for now. But to catch Boston, two and a half back of, of Boston, Oakland's got 12 against... Texas, Kansas City, Detroit, and the Angels, but 19 against Seattle, Houston, the White Sox, and the Blue Jays. Seven against the Mariners, who have thoughts of their own, right? Because the Mariners, just two games behind the Athletics. So seven head-to-head between Oakland and Seattle. That will go a long way towards determining both clubs' fates. Six left against Houston, three left against the White Sox, three left against Toronto. So 19 hard ones, 19 against playoff opponents, 12 against easier opponents. Go to the National League for a second, because here's where it gets really stark. And again, you cannot bet the San Diego Padres. I know there were only two back, though. What are you talking about? You can't bet them. They're only two behind the Reds uh, for that, uh, pardon me, one and a half behind the Reds for that number two wild card position. One and a half back. Yeah, but their opponent, their, their schedule, look at that. 570 still. 570 for the San Diego Padres, 69 and 62. Their record, 31 remaining games. San Diego's 26 of those 31. 26 of those 31 are against San Francisco, the Dodgers, the Braves, the Astros, and the Cardinals. 10 against the Giants, 6 against the Dodgers, 4 against the Braves, 3 against both the Astros and the Cardinals. It's brutal. Whereas Cincinnati's at the bottom of that, or second to last. Only Philly has an easier schedule in all of Major League Baseball. Cincinnati, 19 of their remaining 30. Nine against Pittsburgh, four against Washington, three against Detroit, three against the Cubs. So the Padres are like Sisyphus pushing the the stone up the hill. 
It's a little Greek mythology reference for you, Jason. Cash that if, if you had that in the uh, pre-show pool. Um, it's just, it, it, it's an uphill struggle no matter what. Padres can play lights out baseball, but they just have opponent after opponent is going to be in front of them where it's going to be a much harder hurdle uh, to uh, to get over than the Reds will have generally on a daily basis with roughly, in these two teams' cases, 31 and 30 games exactly remaining left in this season. Keep that in mind when thinking about making some futures bets here before we get to the end of the regular season. We'll come back. Tennis picks. First day of the U.S. Open. I got five, including a couple big dogs, next on a numbers game at Visa, the Sports Betting Network. Welcome back to A Numbers Game with Gil Alexander. Now that the NFL preseason is in the books, it's the perfect time for you to huddle up with the VEASAN Pro Football Betting Guide. The guide's only $19.99 and available now. Our experts provide profiles of every team with advanced stats and power ratings, plus best bets on season win totals, division finishes, and player awards. Sign up for VEASAN All Access to get everything we offer for the entire football season. Sign up now at VEASAN.com slash subscribe. That's VEASAN.com slash subscribe. All right. It is Gil Alexander. It is a numbers game. Uh, here's our tennis run from uh, the last couple of weeks. Uh, and this includes a couple losers that were given out on Twitter exclusively this weekend for those who asked. So this is the show. This show, Primetime Action and Twitter at Beating the Book. And um, most of these are on a numbers game. So the numbers game audience did not get the couple uh, ones that lost here at the end of last week. Probably bit off a little too much uh, at the end of last week with those uh, preliminary tournaments, or I should say precursor tournaments, the U.S. Open winding down. But even with all that, 14-3-1, and and even if you bet it at the books that grade matches after a set is complete, because we had two go against us, we had two withdrawals, after a first set where matches weren't completed, even at the worst, you'd be 14-5-1 for over 12 units. So you're either up 14.62 units or you're up 12.04 units on the last couple weeks of tennis, which brings us to the U.S. Open, the fourth and final Grand Slam. First of all, let me say I only have one future on the men's side, one future on the women's side. The future on the men's side, uh, which I bet long ago, was uh, Daniil Medvedev at plus 575. So we have Medvedev at plus 575 on the men's side. Uh, obviously the second short shot to the great Novak Djokovic, who's trying to win the calendar Grand Slam for the first time since 1969, or at least on the men's tour, first time since uh, Rod Laver did it in 1969. But I have Medvedev at plus 575, and on the women's side, have Barbara, Barbora, let me be clear, Barbora Krajikova at 20-1. to 1. Barbora Krajikova at 20-1. to 1. Those are the only futures I have. Um, we don't bet nine uh, outrights here on, on this show in tennis tournament. So those are the only ones on each side. And there you go. Oh, we have a, I have an 18 to one on Krajikova, but just got her 20 to one here at the South point this morning as well. So, uh, two spots on her. Okay. So as far as today, 32 matches on the men's side, 32 matches on the women's side, it's like Super Bowl Sunday for tennis betters and tennis fans. Uh, let us start one by one. I don't know where you're going with this. We can start on the men's side. Uh, this match be. Um, this match begins in about 23 minutes. Uh, I think both the men's matches that we have begin in about 23 minutes. One of them is on uh, Bernabe Zapata Miralles. Uh, Bernabe Zapata Miralles. I know everyone's like, oh, with the names, Gil, for God's sakes. Can't these guys' names be John Smith? Uh, so the first is on uh, Zapata Miralles. Here's the problem. I got him at minus 145 last night. He's about 30 cents higher now. So I really can't. I mean, minus 175 is a little too hot, is a little too much. I would have cut it off at about minus 165, quite frankly. So I'm not sure that I can honestly recommend that. Uh, if you do it, uh, you know, you're going to do it. But it's an, for me, it's an official pick at minus 145 on Bernabe Zapata Miralles. That's the, I think that's the only one of these that has gotten away from us. Uh, Tiago Montero, I got yesterday at plus 280 versus Daniel Evans. Uh, as I look now at that one, you can still get Montero at a pretty strong dog price. 
Um, first of all, all of these based on numbers, I could I could bore you with some numbers, and I will momentarily. I think I will bore you with some. But uh, in the case of Zapata Mirais versus Lopez, just a stark difference in hard court numbers between those two guys. I'm not sure why it was lined at minus 145. In the case of Montero versus Evans, Evans at peak form ought to beat Tiago Montero. I understand why this line, why Montero is a large dog. Um, and right now, as I look to see what he is, because I got, again, plus 280 yesterday, Montero right now is plus 257. So it's moved, but not like so much that I wouldn't say bet it. The problem is Daniel Evans has been really poor on hard courts this year. And the numbers between these two guys, if you actually look at the numbers and, and really think of Evans with his current performance rather than his historical one, there's no way this line should be what it is. So I'm going to take Montero on a flyer. Uh, plus 257 would still be a play for me. Don't let it get too far down. I don't think it will go further down than that. So that's one flyer on the men's side, which I do not like nearly as much as I like these on, on the women's side. My favorite play of the day, Svetana Pironkova. Plus 335, I see her as, I don't know, plus 290 right now. I would still absolutely play this. Versus Daria Kasatkina. Pironkova's hardcourt numbers over the last nine, over the last year, over the last six months, superior to that of Kasatkina. And Pironkova, the, the reason this line is what it is, first of all, I don't know why it's this high. Because even, even in its most stretched reasoning, I can't understand why you could get $3 or $3 plus on Pironkova which I did yesterday, and that's plus 290 right now. Shop around, because you could still get north of $3 on this. Pironkova last year got to the quarterfinals of the U.S. Open, lost to Serena Williams in a three-setter. She had been out of tennis for three years at that point. She had a child, and she comes back, and she did that at the U.S. Open. The, even if you say, well, she's been more idle than Kasatkina has been on hard courts. Okay, but that shouldn't make it anywhere close to this number. So that's a match at noon Pacific today, 3 p.m. Eastern. Pironkova is a big dog against Kasatkina. That's probably my favorite play of the day. The other two, you're not going to like this one. Magdalene Nett is plus 250 versus Corey Goff. It's still right around that number, I believe. I'll check on that, but I think it's right around that number. Uh, Corey Goff, Coco Goff, as we like to call her, she is a darling. She's going to be great on all surfaces, it appears. She's going to win slams. But there is a bit of projecting her forward now in a way that the numbers don't really back up, quite frankly. And Magda Lynette's numbers on hard courts are very comparable to that of Coco Goff. Again, the pricing makes no sense. Should Magda Lynette be a dog? Could I justify that? Sure. But plus 250 makes no sense whatsoever. So there's another big dog there. I'm taking a flyer on Lynette at plus 250. And then uh, one that's at about minus 119. Uh, I got her at minus 106 yesterday. Kasha Juvan against Heather Watson. Watson has had some high-profile matches uh, lately, particularly against Ash Barty, where she played very well. And so I think this this number is muted on Juvan, who I believe is Iga Sviatek's best friend. Um, this number is muted on Juvan. In a, or Yuvan, I'm not sure how you pronounce it, in a way that makes no real sense based on the data. Um, Watson has just been, again, as I said, more out there, more high-profile matches recently. So at minus 119, I would still I would still make that play. I wouldn't let it get past minus 125. Um, again, it got at minus 106 yesterday. Sorry we don't do this show on the overnight. We do it in the next morning. But um, they move overnight, and in most cases, we're ahead of them. And in some cases today, like the Zapata Miralles match, way ahead of it, 30 cents. But those are the five plays, Zapata Miralles, and then three big dogs, Montero, Pironkova, and Lynette, against Evans, Casatina, and Goff, respectively, and then Kaja Juvon. So, Zapata Miralles, Montero, Pironkova, Lynette, Juvon, your five U.S. Open tennis plays of the day. Sadly, after tennis, it's Todd Wishnev, so that means there's a possibility he's heard these picks and that he will mush them. We will find out in due time. Todd is next. College football complaints, grievances. It's a numbers game at Visa, the Sports Betting Network. Welcome back. 
back to a numbers game with Gil Alexander. If you like summer Fridays, well, you're going to love summer Mondays at BetMGM, the king of sports books with BetMGM's Money Monday Club. A $10 free bet will automatically be added to your account when you place a total of $50 in wagers between Monday and Sunday. That's right. You'll wake up to a $10 free bet every Monday just for betting $50 during the previous seven days. Simply take advantage of BetMGM's boosted odds specials, unique parlay offers, daily promotions, and live betting action. When your wager total reaches $50, you're guaranteed to receive a $10 free bet to use any way you'd like. Just download the BetMGM app or visit BetMGM.com to be a part of the Money Monday Club. Get rewarded for your bets every week at BetMGM. Eligibility restrictions apply. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Please gamble responsibly. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Nevada. Just to uh, follow up again on the uh, on tennis, just to give some numbers here. Pironkova and Kasatkina. We're having a plus 335 bet on uh, Pironkova. She's still available, plus 290. It's a noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern bet. Do we know that this will come home? Of course not. We don't know in any uh, bet in any sport. But at this price, this is about as ridiculous of a line as you will get in any sport ever. It's, it's, it's interesting how there's mispricing on some of these. Just to give you an idea with Pironkova, over the last year, 16 hardcourt matches, a 105.9 aggregate between... Uh, serve and return and yes she's been much more idle on hard courts than has Kasatkina which again if if that in, is that if that's what informs this line great you can be an underdog but plus 335 or plus 290 as it goes right now 105.9 just to give you an idea it's not quite elite but it's sort of like the level below elite uh, and then in terms of uh, Daria Kasatkina versus that 105.9, scrolling, scrolling. Again, with my uh, spreadsheet here, there's uh, 128 uh, players on, uh, on each side. Uh, Kasatkina, over, over the last year, 102.4, so actually less than that. And if you take her last six months, in 11 matches, 98.4. So no matter how you just okay okay you want to make Pironkova uh, Pironkova pardon me let me pronounce it correct the Bulgarian Svetlana Pironkova a dog great plus three thirty five is outrageous so anyway that's the one I like the best of the five it's Sapata Mirais Montero Pironkova Lynette and Juvan with uh, the the futures again being Krajikova on the women's side Medvedev on the men's side uh, let us switch to all things. Uh, grievances and all things in-game betting. Let's not sell the man short. He's one of the stars of Showtime's uh, docu-series action and beloved by all numbers game listeners. It is Todd Wishnet, ladies and gentlemen, from his mom's pork attic somewhere in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. How you doing, Todd? What's up, Gilly? Ice college football is back, but uh, you know, I just started some tennis betting. Maybe I'll get down and uh, mush it uh, today. You like Brankova? Uh, There's no bets to do today, so you know. I don't know. Maybe it's going to be a bad day for you. Please, please don't bet these times. We're on a run. <laughs> please don't bet them. Uh, let's, let's go back to Saturday because what I, what I love about you is you're in-game betting baseball and you're setting things up nicely. And for those who, who listen to you sometimes, I don't know, you're, you have the reaction. By the way, Todd, we should have a star of the Megapod as well. Uh, you have you, people react to you in funny ways. Some people are like, ah, he's just, he doesn't know what he's talking about. He's the everyman. Actually, Todd's in-game betting is probably as receptive and as sharp as anybody's in the sport of baseball, and certainly you do it in football as well. But let's take Saturday. A quick reminder in week zero of college football, and I'll say it. The absolute brain-dead idiocy of some of these coaches. I don't know how these guys are hired to run billion-dollar operations, but yet year after year we see this in college football. So I'll let you take over after the first gap. Uh, but for me, if it, we're talking about Nebraska and Illinois, Illinois is really pinning Nebraska down deep in their territory over and over. Nebraska can't do anything. And it's two to nothing in favor of Illinois. And Brett Bielema decides, you know, we're going to kick a 55-yard field goal. Michael Lombardi is great at saying this about it. It applies to both pro and college football. If you miss those field goals, that should really be considered a turnover. It's not that in a box score, but it really is in football. Just for whatever reason, because we're, we're locked into box scores, not the as that, we don't consider it, but we really should. 
At that moment, I said to myself, that's going to change the entire game, and Scott Frost and Nebraska are going to roll the Illini. And sure enough, they went up 7-2, and were it not for some phantom roughing the passer penalty that was also exacerbated by you know a taunting, I'm not sure I ever saw it, Nebraska could have rolled out to about a 14-2 lead in this ballgame pretty quickly. It was on a pick that got nullified, by the way. Um, but that's not what happened at all, isn't it? Because Scott Frost said, hold my beer. Well, you know, Scott, look, they, they all make mistakes constantly, and it, it's just hard to believe, uh, you know, the really elite ones don't. But the one that really was so egregious to me, and, and I see this over and over and over, on the final play, okay, after all the disasters, Nebraska fumbles the ball and lets them run in for a touchdown before the half, and it's 16-9 Illinois in a game you can't even believe that Illinois is winning at this point because it's so ridiculous. But be that as it may, throw all that out. There's just one play that should get you fired from every football team for the rest of history, including high school. If you're at your own 19-yard line with under 10 seconds to play, I believe I looked at the ESPN box where I think they snapped it with one second left to play. But you're at your own, like, 20-yard line at that point. Why are you snapping the ball at all? First of all, you didn't even have to snap the ball. If you are snapping the ball, why aren't you just taking a knee? Why are you th- – you just had a pass fumble just, return for a touchdown. Just a second ago. Yes. And you still decide, okay, here's an idea. I'm going to go back to pass from M20 on the last play. That You can't get anything good to happen on that play. Even in college, even, okay, let's give him the benefit of the doubt. Let's say they threw a Hail Mary and there's pass interference. You don't get 60 yards like the NFL. You get 15 yards. Okay, so you're at your own 35 now with one play left. What's that going to get you? Nothing. There is nothing positive that can happen on running a play at that point. And if you don't know that, Okay, how can you run a billion-dollar corporation, which is the Nebraska football team? It's ridiculous. It cannot be possible that this is happening. I'm with you 1,000%. And there's going to be people listening who curse me like, oh, you guys, they know more about football than you do. Okay, great, they do. They know more X's and O's than we do. Wonderful. But what Todd just described is such basic, commonsensical, if you've been a football fan all your life, forget all your life, if you've been a football fan for any, for any period of time. Ten seconds. Ten seconds. For ten seconds. You know that this, and, and I'm sorry if people object to when I say, uh, you know, whatever you want to describe it, but it's Neanderthal. Like, there's there's no, there's no, it's like there's no functioning thinking going on. And I know you waved off a couple other things, like, oh, one of the Nebraska players fielding a punt at the one-yard line, then he tries to chuck it out of the end zone. And I'm oh, it's stupid. It's, it's, Don't get me wrong. Okay. It's stupid, but we see it all the time, and it's an 18-year-old kid or a 21-year-old yeah, kid. Okay, but wait, wait, hold on. Wait, hold on. But you're giving them a pass for that, and what I'm saying is, yeah, he's an 18-year-old kid, but like, are you coaching them up at all during the offseason? This is the first game of the year. This is your, like Scott Frost, there's a lot of pressure on you. you got to be buttoned up. you got to make sure every detail is accounted for. That's what the great coaches do, right? Every detail is accounted for. So I openly was saying, I mean, it's like they didn't even coach special teams this offseason, right? Because there was a, there was a few things that happened. They missed extra points. That guy feeling into at the one yard line, the player feeling at the one yard line, and uh, forgive me for not remembering his name, but I, I actually, you look into this. They don't have a dedicated special teams coach. They like have a guy who oversees special teams, but they actually don't have one. Well, it's, it, it's just it's incredible. Re- no, no, it's ridiculous how many guys make mistakes at their own five-yard line. It's like they don't practice that. But, yeah, that's horrible. And, yeah, and I agree with you a thousand percent that it's horrible. And how could you not coach that up? I mean, the first thing you know is you can't you can't catch the ball there. But that let, – let me just give them the benefit of the – I'm giving them so much now by yeah. saying, okay, fine. The kid didn't realize he was at his one. He, got, he lost track of where he was. Whatever. It's a, a terrible mistake. But snapping the ball with, with no time left. Is the worst. Your own You're right. Yeah, You're I, right. I forget it. There's nothing you could say. It's on the coach 1,000%. Yes. And there is nothing that you could possibly tell me to tell me why you would snap the ball there. You're right. There And there's a scenario where he's gone in, in within a couple weeks. By the way, he's been Teflon the last couple years. So for anybody who thinks that's sudden, that is not sudden. That's a long time coming. Uh, so the betting... Before we leave, yes. can we talk a little bit about in-game betting? And, and, and yes. Because, because, guys, whatever you do, Get yourself involved in in-game betting in college football. There were some games, even already this weekend, that were ridiculous. 
I'm watching the San Jose State against Southern Utah game because I'm a lunatic at seven at ten thirty uh, <laughs> Eastern time in the evening on Saturday night. Because I'm a and lunatic. San Jose State could score <laughs> one hundred and fourteen million points yeah. if they would like to do it. So if you have access to first half in-game lines in many of these states, like I do here in Pennsylvania, and you see when the score is seven to zero, basically San Jose State went down and got a touchdown. Southern Utah actually moved the ball and missed the field goal. It's seven zero. The over in the first half now with eight minutes to go in the first quarter is over 30 and a half. You have to, now I'm a dope because I didn't bet even more, but you have to bet everything you own on the over san jose state will get to 31 themselves in fact they'll get to eight million of themselves in the first half not in the second half in the first half is it is it so stark for you that you don't even like i mean do you make any pre-flop bets at this point or do you just exploit it that way almost none i mean if they're giving i mean this is ridiculous okay if you get to watch eight minutes of that game and you've watched a million college football games, you know what it looks like when they're going to score forever. It's like UCLA against Hawaii. Yes, I was just going to bring it up. UCLA could hand the ball off and I could run for 300 yards in that game because the holes were big and I am very, very... You know, tough to take down with my yeah, I know you. Moves. I know you now, are. It's spin point, move. The point is, yeah. is just watch these ridiculous games. It's it's crazy. And and circling back to the original point, and then there are certain coaches you can't trust. No matter if everything is going their way, you're like, here, take the ball at midfield after we've been pitting you. We should win this going away. There are certain coaches you can't trust, and you have to keep that list as well. And we know a couple of them already. Uh, Todd, always interesting. Um, and there's and and so much wisdom in what you just said. I hope people pay heed. Uh, maybe that's a strategy for some. Just play in game because college football will let you know so quickly what's going to happen the rest of the afternoon. Thank you, Toddy. We'll talk later Good today. Thank you, Gil. Good seeing you too. Don't bet my tennis. Jason Weingarten next from under a cloud of smoke in Southern Cali. We'll talk baseball. The Augusts that NL MVP candidates had next. The numbers game at Visa, the Sports Betting Network. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids like yours, and all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- craft month with the perfect pizza at home class from craftsy and anytime is right to listen to iheart radio's iheart country radio discover more shows and movies for free introducing the lisa chill collection your answer to hot nights these mattresses beat the heat with ultra cool covers whisking away heat for the perfect sleep temperature save up to 460 dollars on chill mattresses and get two free pillows when you shop now iheart listeners can save an extra 50 dollars off by visiting lisa.com forward slash iheart that's l-e-e-s-a.com slash iheart exclusions apply see lisa.com for more details